Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it will encourage you and help you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Laura. What's your name? (laughs) I hope to find out tonight at the newcomers event. Really, please do come. Um, And if you've been coming for a while and you've been to a newcomers event already, or maybe you haven't, um, but you know people who are also new and haven't come, bring your friends. Bring, like, say, hey, I'll go with you um, and come because it's worth it, right? Jen Leung, Jen, oh, she's going to love that. She talks about, Jennifer's our pastoral administrative assistant, and she, um, she has said on a number of occasions that the newcomer's event was what they needed to help them fully feel involved and connected, and um, so it's just the truth. We're just sharing truth, that's all, so you should come. Uh, We are continuing our series on healthy, wealthy, and wise this morning. I am not used to preaching um, two times in three weeks. Uh, Mike Mike does a really good job of preaching so frequently. It takes a lot of work. Um, So I was up there after the first song had already started. That was my bad for botching the lyrics on the first song because I was putting in my notes <laughs> um, that you're going to see on the screen today. And I'm the only pastor that gets to bring their notes, sermon slides, after 9 o'clock, um, because I'm the one that has to put them in all the time. So none of the other pastors get that privilege, but I do, so that's lucky. We're going to, uh, last week, Pastor Mike talked about relationships, uh, particularly the area of covenant. And we're going to continue talking about relationships today. Um, I, I think about maybe there might be people in this place who think like, oh, why are we taking so many weeks to talk about such like not deep stuff? Well, first of all, we just went through like seven months of revelation. So I think we're all okay for a little while um, on the deep heady stuff. But discipleship is whole and complete. Discipleship is not just, um, it, is, it is fully our spiritual development, but our spiritual development is fully encompassing of our physical, our emotional, our relationships, um, our whole self. And so I just want to say this morning that a practical message on relationships is discipleship. And so we are learning from the word of God and practically applying it to our lives. I was talking with um, a person yesterday who is not a believer and she believes in God and, and believes that there's, there has to be something beyond ourselves. And I was just telling her, because we, we know each other a little bit, and I was saying, well, I'm preaching tomorrow and I'm, I'm preaching about relationships. She said, oh, that's so good because... Like, we really need help. Like, people need to know, like, what to do. Um, and I thought, yeah, we do. And I'm not a professional. I'm not a, the master at these things. 
we are, Mike and I are married, by the way, if you are new, um, and we are constantly growing and stretching and needing to walk this very same journey on relationships. So we speak from a, a place of example, but also um, just like real, real stuff. We're real people. So before we get started officially here, I want to just have, I have a couple opening thoughts that I want to share. Um, and kind of like my nine random thoughts with prefaces and bonus content from a couple weeks ago. But these are just straight up prefaces. So um, the first one is uh, on relationships. Do the work when you don't need to do the work. So when things are good, keep working at it. Oftentimes, things start to drift because we don't do the work in the good times. The other one is get help before there's no pulse. Um, I don't know if you like watching medical shows, but oftentimes when people end up in the ER, it's when it's beyond repair. When it is, it's a, they need the, the pulse back. They need CPR. They need the immediate help. Get help before that. Like, maybe I'll just say, yeah, just get help before you need CPR in your relationship. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. And then lastly, um, today when we talk about relationships, we are not talking about dangerous relationships. Um, I'm going to talk about connection and doing the hard work and taking responsibility for your side of things, your piece of it, your um, part in it. And I'm talking about relationships um, that are on, they, they are, they're healthy or they have the ability to become healthy. Um, that is what we are talking about. I am not talking about a situation that you are not safe physically, mentally, sexually, spiritually. Um, that is a different situation. And if that is you, um, please also get help. So last week we talked about uh, covenant. This week we're going to talk about connection. And before we do, let's just say a word of prayer. Jesus, I thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you are here. Thank you that in your presence we can find peace. May we anchor ourselves to that this morning. Amen. Well, you've heard Lady Gaga saying, baby, I was born this way, but I want to say that you were made this way. We were made for connection. When we read, I'm gonna, we're going to go into Genesis, um, the, the very first stories, and I know we've talked about that recently, but the story in Genesis of Adam and Eve and the serpent in the garden and God uh, in that garden with them is the perfect example of connection, and it's actually like the actual cause of our disconnection, so it's very fitting. But I want to just read a few passages. Where the, the biggest portion is chapter 2, verse 15 to 18, and a couple more verses, but I'm going to start by just reading Genesis 1, verse 26. God said, 
Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Ooh, interesting. Animals that move along the ground. I'm just thinking about the serpent. That's fun. Um, Verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them in his image. Chapter 2, I'm going to just blow through this here. Chapter 2, verse 15 to 18. Let's read what God said about people. The Lord God said, after making all the other things and saying it was good, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But no man, wait, am I supposed to stop reading? Nope, good. Uh, <laughs> but no man, or no, Adam couldn't find a suitable helper. So the Lord God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with its flesh. Then the Lord God made woman, and it was very good. And I'm just going to finish by reading verse 25, which says, Adam and Eve were both naked, and they felt no shame. We were made to be in connection with each other, in relationship. We were made to be in relationship and connection with God. We see beautiful examples of what intimacy and connection actually look like. And um, it makes sense that the enemy, that the serpent in the garden would go after the very thing that we were made for. It makes sense that most of us have continual struggle with connection to varying degrees in our life with God and with people. It makes sense. And it actually, I was looking, I end up on a lot of rabbit trails while I'm sermon prepping, um, because I think, ooh, that's interesting. And one of the reasons that it makes sense is because Satan was stripped of his connection with God. When he had, you know, he had all the, the stuff. He was a cherub that was in the presence, guarding the presence. He had access to the presence of God. But he lost that connection when pride came in and when he began seeking his own self, he wanted more. In Genesis 3, we read about Adam and Eve choosing uh, disconnect instead of connection with God. And I, it's such an interesting passage, but there's two words here. Well, there's one word. Um, in verse one, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. That original word, it, it, it also means subtle. The enemy was subtle in his devices to bring disconnection. He sought to bring disconnection between us and God 
and he sought to bring disconnection between each other. So before we get started on all of the hows and the whys, um, I want to just read this passage briefly, a, a portion of it. This is in chapter 3. He was cunning, he was crafty, he was subtle, more than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. So the serpent said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from that tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not even touch it for you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that if you eat of it, I lost my place. Uh, when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that it was good and that the fruit was pleasing, I can just picture her going, yeah, yeah, well, it does look really nice and it looks pretty harmless, kind of looks delicious. She took some and ate it, and then she gave some to Adam. And he was there, and he also ate it. So, just so you know. <laughs> Verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? As if he didn't know. That's Laura's amplified version. Um, he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, that woman that you put here with me gave me some of the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And she said, that serpent deceived me and so I ate it. So then the Lord curses them all. Um, and says a bunch of things that are kind of scary. And then in verse 21, uh, it continues and it says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and he clothed them. So we're gonna break this down a little bit over the next few minutes. There's a lot of um, beautiful pieces that speak to connection. The kind of relationship that God had with Adam and Eve with his beautiful, most precious, most desired creation was close. It was safe. Adam and Eve were naked and they felt no shame. Connection is closeness. It's the ability to be safe. Here are some things that connection equals. Connection means safety and closeness. It means I can be fully you. I can be fully me. And you can be fully you. It means I feel understood and accepted. And I choose to understand you and accept you. 
Connection means that we can both be fully vulnerable and fully free. This is the goal of our relationships. This is what we were made for. Disconnect equals the distance needed in order to feel safe. So when connection is not happening, if it's been broken or if it's just drifting apart, um, disconnect ends up happening because I need to determine what the safest distance is in this relationship for me to feel safe. Ultimately, what, what we all need is the ability to be safe. So when we don't feel safe, we create whatever distance is necessary. We have a dog, and she's a darling and an idiot, and we love her, and we do like her most of the time as well. Um, she was attacked by a dog in the fall, she, and she's a Doberman, so you'd think, you know, like, come on, Lainey, do your thing. Um, but she's a scared dog. She's afraid. She is um, lovely with people, but when she was attacked, she became very, like, reactive, and we can't, you know, just let her meet stranger dogs anymore. But it's not even just that. It's when I'm out on a walk with her, I have to determine the safe distance that she can be at uh, in between her and a dog without her hackles raising, her lying down in the, the ready position to defend herself if needed. Um, she's become reactionary. And so I am always watching for if a dog comes into any, like literally the vicinity of a half a kilometer, kilometer long beach or anything. Um, and I watch, I'll walk her on the leash and I'll, we'll move away. And then all of a sudden, we, when we reach the safe distance, she just moves away and she'll go back to what she was doing. But if we're within an inch of the distance in which she is not comfortable, all of a sudden she's full alert, hackles, her ears are up, she will not um, unlock her focus. That's disconnect. Disconnect is the distance needed for us to feel safe. So every action that we take, every decision that we make, every response, uh, whether good or bad, is either creating closeness or distance in our relationships. I want all of us this morning, because sometimes we apply these to like the big, the bad, the, the ugly, the relationships that are very broken or very severed. Um, and that is, there are those relationships in this place today, and, and many of us have those in our lives. But I want us also to think about the relationships in our lives that are good and wonderful. I think about my children. What does that connected relationship look like? Um, I think about my close friends. I think about my husband, my best friend. They're the same. They are one and the same. My husband is my best friend. The goal of those relationships is connection. But the moment that pain enters and there's fear involved, we begin to disconnect a little bit. And it's just subtle. It's just a, it's just a little step back in order to determine what the safe distance is because I don't feel that safety anymore. Or they don't. 
So what does that connected relationship look like? I can tell you what it doesn't look like. And we'll look right back to Adam and Eve here. What happened was the serpent introduced a little bit of doubt in a subtle way. Did God really say that you must not eat from the tree in the garden? He introduced doubt about God and who God was and who he says he is or what he said. And then he introduces a new thought that goes against Eve's identity. He attacked that as well. And he said, no, God, if this is what will happen if you eat of the fruit. Your eyes will be open. You'll be able to know. You'll be able to be like God. But if you'll remember just a few verses earlier, when God said, let us make man in our own image, he already gave us all of the things that we needed to be like God, that we would have the rulership, that we would have dominion over the heavens and the earth and all of its inhabitants. So the enemy introduced a thought that was actually already true, but he caused her to second guess and caused her to believe that God wasn't telling the truth, that God had different motives. God knows that if you eat the truth, uh, eat the fruit, you will be, your eyes will be open. So he caused Eve to doubt God, the thing, and, and that we have to do things on our own in order to fully be free. Then we see them eat the fruit, and what happens? They hide. They hid because they were afraid. They hid because they were ashamed. They hid because they were afraid of punishment. I love how God answers here because he doesn't, he know, obviously God knows where they are in the garden. Like, right? He knows. But he says, where are you? He gives, he asks the question to connect. Connection means moving closer. Connection means asking a question to understand. Connection means giving a, an opportunity to understand the other side. Safe and close connections respond in love. They look a lot like the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. When you and I are in a safe, connected relationship, we are predictable, we are intentional People feel safe because they know our intentions. They listen to understand. God asks questions, but he already knows the answers. And we don't, just so you know. When you're asking questions, you don't actually know the answers. Um, God does because, well, he's God. Um, but he listens to understand. Safe and close relationships create respectful environments. We, um, we have this thing in our family. We learned it, actually, we learned it in premarital counseling, um, that whole, like, listening to understand thing, you know, the one. Um, asking why, seeking to understand. And we, we've named it, actually, our kids named it Pass the Peace. Um, and the rules go, and, and I don't know if it's P-I-E-C-E, like the peace, of something, or the peace, P-E-A-C-E, which both are very fitting, um, but we have a spoon, 
and like a wooden spoon. And when there's just like a, a, a conflict um, that's just not working, we pull out the piece and pass the piece. And you can't pass it, like pass it. Um, the only way you get to pass the piece or receive the piece is when you've listened to understand. So whoever has it, they get to share that, you know, and you've got to get to the heart of it. And then when you're done sharing, the other person says, what I hear you say is, and then they communicate back what the heart of what you're trying to communicate. And there is the opportunity for any misunderstandings to be resolved. And once you feel understood, then you pass the piece and they can respond. Listening to understand creates a safe and close environment. We were made to be in connection. So we're going to talk about two different kind of groups here, or not groups, but things. I don't know. Um, we're going to talk about how to build and maintain strong relationships that are connected. And then we're going to talk about how to repair and restore, because there's, um, there's a bit of a difference. You'll hear some of the same things. But what we see in, um, in Genesis is God's desire to reconnect with us after that connection was severed. So when we're building and maintaining connection with people, we have to start by connecting with God first and restoring and repairing our relationship and our identity and our trust in him. He does a beautiful job of doing everything in his um, ability to connect. The enemy's mission is to destroy, to cause disconnect, but God's mission is to restore connection through Jesus Christ. It's crucial that we understand our identity and accept others' value, that they were made in God's image. The people in your life, no matter how difficult, even the worst, were made in the image of God. Not their brokenness, but every piece about them, everything that was woven into their being is made in the image of God. And you are made in the image of God. And if we don't understand that, if we can't come from that posture, if we don't accept ourselves, then we won't be able to see the attributes of God in the people that we love. So we have to repair and reconnect with God. The second thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. If the priority is connection, then our decisions, our reactions, our everything need to be in pursuit of the goal of connection. So what can I do here to move towards it? Um, I think that it's counter-reactionary. Like, you know, when people are afraid, it's a human natural response to respond, <laughs> react to move away, to create that distance. So we have to be counter-reactionary. I'll use parenting as an example because I feel like those bring out some of the strongest of reactions. Um, when our kids come and tell us something, reacting creates distance because there's fear involved. Responding in love 
creates closeness. It doesn't mean that you approve of everything that they do. And we've had our kids tell us some pretty scary things over the years, some very honest truths. But if the goal is connection, then everything in us needs to respond in that way. So it doesn't mean we're not training our children to be obedient and to, you know, that there's no um, consequences for our actions and that sort of thing. But am I doing my part to lower fear and increase love? It's tough not to react sometimes. But if it doesn't move us towards the goal of being close to our children and, if, and being safe with them, then it's actually moving us away. It's hard to tell the difference sometimes, but it has to do with our heart. The goal of connection has to be the priority, not being right, not being obedient. Um, I think as Christian parents, we get this wrong like a lot because it, the Bible says, children obey your parents in the Lord, which is true. Our children need to obey. But the purpose of that is to teach them how to live and how to live as wonderful human beings, not to obey. That's not the goal. But sometimes we make that the goal because, I don't know, we're afraid of being embarrassed if they disobey or we're afraid that they'll make the wrong choice. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons. But keep the main thing the main thing. Number three, the choice is yours. It takes two, but somebody always has to be the first to push disconnect aside and choose closeness. Um, I love in this book in Genesis when God is showing us his desire to be in connection with us. The second tree, we've talked about it, we talk about it all the time. The tree of freedom, knowledge of good and evil. God gave us that choice and then he, does, he goes and does absolutely everything he can to restore that connection. But ultimately he leaves the choice with us to be in connection with him. And that's the same in our relationships. We see so often on like social media and stuff, people will say, I'm so glad they chose me. They chose me. Thank you for choosing me. They chose me. Um, be careful that that doesn't become your only perspective on your partner because if they chose you as the only, you know, the biggest focus in your relationship, then what if somebody else comes along and chooses you too? There's no responsibility. There's no ownership in your part. The choice has to be yours, that I'm choosing ownership in this relationship, not ownership over a person, but ownership of my part in this relationship. I am choosing to pursue you. And one of the ways we can do that best is by learning to speak their language. How many of you guys have heard of the five love languages by Gary Chapman? Mm -hmm. I won't go over them, um, just read about them. They're fantastic. Learn to speak their language. I give love, I receive love in acts of service. They're, okay, acts of service, words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, and touch, right? <laughs> oh, that one is not, not high on my priority. I just don't, I don't know, I love hugs. You know, it's great. But the five love languages are, a, 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 well, they're languages, is what they are, and I give or I receive love in acts of service like a million times higher than any of the other ones. And so for me, 
the acts of service is not about somebody serving me. It's about thinking about me and what matters to me. And so that fills my tank. What are the kids? What are your kids' love languages? Have you thought about that? I thought about that this week. When somebody asks you for something like quality time, what they're saying is, I'm giving you an opportunity to love me. So learn to speak their language. Ask them. If you don't know what it is, ask them. And don't react if they tell you you've been getting it wrong. A relationship is only as strong as the lowest number given between two people. If you were to rate your relationship, it's only as strong as the lowest number. So we need to learn to speak each other's languages. We need to learn and take interest in one another. 1 John 4, verse 18. This is the scripture that talks about perfect love casting out all fear. That's the end of my Bible. That was the, the gong telling me that my time is up. The shepherd's hook is coming soon. Perfect love casts out all fear. And then the verse continues, he who fears has not yet fully been perfected in love. I thought about that. I, I know, you know, we read about the perfect love casting out all fear, and that's our job. To create connection, we have to cast out fear. We have to eliminate any possibility for fear in our close one's lives. But I, the, the piece of the verse that I hadn't really given too much thought about was that he who fears has not yet been perfected in love. So if I'm afraid, it means I haven't fully realized that love. I haven't fully accepted that love from the Lord. And if I cause fear, I haven't fully received and accepted that love, the love of God. The problem with fear is that it causes fight, flight, or freezing. It always brings out the worst in people. It always causes disconnect. It's always reactionary. Fear in relationships is um, caused because of abandonment, fear of abandonment, pain, shame, punishment. It causes isolation. It creates distance. So our goal needs to be remove fear. We can't control the people in our lives. God put the tree in the garden because he loves us. He gave us a choice to love him. And I can't control what the people in my life do. I can't control how they respond. But I can choose to not engage in a chess game. That's not what love is. I had a conversation with one of our kids recently because you know that you're in a disconnected relationship when it feels like every move you make has to be strategic. Um, and that you have to anticipate what their move is going to be next? Does that feel like a safe relationship? And I had this conversation with, with them, and I just said, listen, I can't control the decisions that you make. I can't control what you choose to do outside of these four walls of our home. 
but I don't want to play a chess game with you. I want you to know my love for you. And so I'm putting down my pieces. And I'm going to keep you safe because that's my legal responsibility as a parent. But I can trust when I know and have experienced that perfect love of God, I have to trust that that's available for my children and that his intention is for them to experience that too. And how can I as a parent model that in the healthiest and best way possible? And if I can't control my reactions, then it means that there's actually fear in me. And I need to figure out what that fear is. If I can't control the relationships in my life, if I can't control them and I keep causing distance, the first thing we can do is ask ourselves, what's the fear? What's going on inside of me? Why am I reacting this way? Because real and perfected love is unconditional. I can love you no matter what because my love is dependent on or it comes from the source of Christ, the unconditional source. And it's not dependent on you and your actions, actually, because it's dependent on me choosing to give it to you because of who you are and your value. When I take responsibility for that, it frees the person that I'm in relationship with. Parents, can I just tell you that your kids are going to hurt you? Um, They're going to lie to you. A sneaky way that the enemy tries to cause distance between us and our relationships to sever that is, um, as a mom and a dad, like being embarrassed by your kids' behavior. Um, They're kids. And sometimes they act just like childish, like immature, but then sometimes they actually make really bad choices. And if our reaction is like, look how you made us look, or that we're humiliated with them, We are enforcing to them that every choice that they make, their choices determine my acceptance, my peace. And that's not what it's about. Your kids are going to mess up. The person in your life, your spouse, they are going to hurt you. God put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden knowing full well that we were going to choose to eat of it. How crazy is that? That's very crazy. Very crazy. The last verse that I read in chapter three, and I'm gonna wrap up here, was um, that after God you know, talked about the consequences of their choices and the disconnect and how they would feel that throughout uh, humanity's time, um, It says, then he made them clothes. I just love that. Because they did everything they could. They made themselves clothes out of leaves because they were ashamed. They hurt God. They disconnected. They severed that relationship. And what does he do? He is a part of their solution. He makes them clothes, even in that disconnect. I don't know, that's just amazing to me. So the way that we start to repair our relationships is by starting with Jesus. Listen and pray. Ask him to help you. Ask him to show you who he made them to be. 
Ask him to remove any wrong assumptions that maybe you've made. Judging motives is a poison to connection. Ask him to help you to get to the heart of the matter. Ask him to communicate clearly, to help you communicate clearly with honor. And then I wrote here, seriously, spend a long time in prayer and listening. Connection is facing our relationships. It's facing the pain that we have. Choosing to connect means choosing to face the pain. It means choosing to turn around and move towards somebody even though there's pain. It doesn't mean brushing it aside in order to keep the peace or just like keep things together. It means being vulnerable. So spend a lot of time in prayer and listening. Write out your thoughts and then pray and then repeat and rewrite them and delete and delete and delete and then get to the heart of the matter with the Lord. The choice is yours. If the goal is connection, how does that change your approach in a situation? I have asked myself this when Mike and I have had a disagreement um, and I feel very right and so does he. I don't know if you've ever struggled with that, but it happens. And I remember, I remember one time in the kitchen, and I don't actually remember what the disagreement was, but I was, I was very mad <laughs> inside, because I never show it. Um, and all I wanted to do was just say, okay, fine. But I remembered that in that time in particular, just saying, Laura, what's your goal? Do you want to disconnect or do you want to connect? And I want to connect every time. So asking ourselves in that moment, what's the goal here? What's your goal? Changes the approach entirely. It changes your thoughts and how you approach it. When I'm able to express hurt when my goal is connection, I'm choosing the priority to be healing. I'm choosing to really understand the situation, to listen fully. I'm choosing to forgive. When we're in a broken relationship that needs repair, when we need to restore connection, we need to seek wisdom from a friend and seek the right friends to do that. Spouses, can I just say to you, let your spouse have somebody in their life that they can fully talk to. I hear so often, about relationships where they don't talk about things because the other person may have felt uncomfortable, you know, about a situation. Isolation is so dangerous. In Proverbs, it actually talks about this. It says that those who isolate have removed themselves from wisdom, essentially. You need to be able to speak to somebody so that you can get to the goal of connection. Sometimes we can't reach that on our own and we just have to talk about it. We need to talk it out. But if the goal is connection and it's not bashing them, it's not slandering them, it's help me understand this. Am I seeing this wrong? Give me some perspective. How do I approach this? How do I talk about it? And listen when they ask you questions. And don't say, I thought you were on my side. They are. Listen. Then take action. Not in an emotional moment. Be intentional. Communicate clearly and honestly. And if you can't summarize the heart of the issue, you're not ready to bring it to the table. So if I can't communicate what is really going on inside of me, I need to take time. I need to actually put in that work still to figure it out. And be clear. 
Number five, receive their repentance and seek their forgiveness. Sometimes when we're trying to repair connection and we've been deeply hurt, because there are times when we are deeply hurt, we have to trust that our partner, that person, that relationship, their desire is to repent when they repent. (laughs) So take it, receive it, ask forgiveness. Be a part of the process of them learning how to love you and you learning how to love them. Don't just expect them to know how to do that. And put in the work to learn how to do that with each other. Number six is make their clothes. When people have hurt us, it's hard to, it's easy to say good riddance. It's easy to create the distance. But even in that moment when Adam and Eve chose different, God sewed their clothes up for them. Move towards your people. Continued action is necessary. The word responsibility is the ability to respond. It's a learned action. We have to learn the continued action of connection. Show them how committed you are to loving them well. Friends, God actively showed and pursued us, even in our disconnect, even in our choice. He did it by making our clothes, and he did it by sending Jesus, ultimately, finally, giving us the way to fully restore that connection. So if you have a broken relationship in your family, or if you just wanna have healthier relationships, (laughs) start with Jesus. Start with realizing that the people in your life are made in his image and that he came for you and he came for them too. Somebody's gotta move first. Somebody's gotta be the one that says, what's my goal? My goal is connection. My goal is to be close. And if you both can have that goal, you're gonna do a really great job. It'll take work and it's not a, you know, Lainey just doesn't stop being reactive one day, you know, and all of a sudden like, great, (laughs) I can be fully safe and free and, and around all dogs and have no fear inside me whatsoever. That doesn't happen, it's a process. We learn how to trust. We learn how to restore by showing up and by being there. So, in response, I just want us all, we're gonna actually take communion, which is beautiful that it comes today when we are thinking about God's action towards us, his action to connect to reconnect and provide a way to be with him. Um, But I want to take a moment and just pray for our relationships. We have the opportunity to have the best and the healthiest relationships because of Christ's love for us. I want to love the people in my life the very best way for them to be the most healthy, the most thriving, and it doesn't rest on me but it begins with me loving Jesus. It begins with me learning how to accept his perfect love. So God, I thank you for these people. I thank you for this family. I thank you for friendship. I thank you for 
connection, that you created us to be in connection with each other and with you. I know that there are relationships in this place today that could use a little connection. Would you show us, Lord, would you show us how to connect? Would you show us how to be safe? Would you show us how to pursue connection when our initial reaction is to disconnect? Would you help us? And I just ask God for your grace that when we do, when we take that courage to, to take a step or as a parent to show humility to our children, to repent for our behavior when we've gotten something wrong or when we've responded in fear. I ask for your grace. I ask for receptivity. And I ask, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit on our relationships. Help us to look like you. Amen. We're going to just sing in response here as the communion distributors make their way down and um, then we'll take communion together. something to participate with us in this time as well. Before we celebrate communion, I just want to talk about briefly some heroes of connection in our church family. Uh, Bill and Millie Wilson have been part of our church for just over a year now, and they don't have any family that's local to them here. We're their family. They've been married for 57 years. That's real connection work. This past week, Laura and I went to the hospital to be with Bill. He's been in a deep health struggle for the last number of weeks. Millie's with us today, and when we saw her and him, she told us the story of how in the weakness of this part of his life experience, he asked for a calendar, and he pointed to Sunday, and he kept tapping on Sunday today. February 4th. She said, Sunday, what, what, do you, what, what do you want? What do you want? And then he did this. Not a shot. He knew that we were going to have communion today. And he really wanted and hoped to be with us to celebrate communion. Yesterday at 3 in the morning, he passed away to be with the Lord. And the Lord woke Millie up with no alarm at 2 in the morning. She shot up went straight to the hospital and was with him when he passed. And today, we celebrate communion together. And we know that Bill is experiencing a much richer version of communion than we are today. And we honor his life and his legacy. And we're reminded that we are made one in Christ and we are made a family. And so when strangers move into our church, and join us for a year. You know what? They're part of our family. In Laura's discussion of Genesis, humanity 
created a disconnect with God and with one another. And in their feeble effort and embarrassment and shame, what did they do? They tried to make their own covering. But it was insufficient. And so God comes into our midst, in the midst of our brokenness and our shame, and he made clothes, as Laura pointed out. He made a sufficient covering for them, which was such a picture and a promise of what occurs through Jesus Christ. At the cross, Jesus was stripped nakedness, shamed, broken for all of humanity to see, so that God himself could provide a sufficient covering for your brokenness, your shame, and mine. Scripture says that Jesus took the bread and he broke it. Would you take the little piece of bread that you've been given, break it so that you see its brokenness. In the brokenness of Christ's body, there's a beautiful promise that you and I will know completeness and wholeness because of Jesus. And we get the foretastes of it in this life. But like Bill, we have the hope that in eternity, we will be made completely whole. Jesus, we thank you for your body broken for us. We acknowledge brokenness in our lives, brokenness in our relationships. And right now we ask for a grace to be received in our lives for wholeness and completeness, first in connection with you and in our connection with others. We receive your good work right now in Jesus' name. Let's take the bread together. Scripture says that in the same way, on the same evening, Jesus took the cup and said, this cup represents a new covenant, a new agreement, partnership with mankind. God giving himself completely, exclusively, and permanently to mankind and humanity in response, having the opportunity as celebrated in communion to say, I give myself to you completely, exclusively, and permanently. He shed his blood. He died so that in this beautiful twist, a plot twist for you and I, in the face of death, we actually are welcomed into abundant and eternal life because of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for life. We're in desperate need of your supply of life. Only Jesus can accomplish this for us. Only Jesus. It's only your blood that is sufficient. We thank you for the promise and hope of life abundant and everlasting. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Let's receive and take the cup together. Would you stand with me? I want to lead us in a concluding prayer today. I want to pray for you as we leave today. Father, I thank you for each person here today. You know the story of our lives and our hearts. You know the areas that are in desperate need of hope and help, and you supply. Communion reminds us. It's a physical reminder to our bodies, our senses, that God has come towards us in the midst of our brokenness to bring help, to bring healing, and to bring hope. Father, this is the very message our world, the Comox Valley, is in desperate need of. They need your love and your truth. As we go into your world now on your mission, we need you, we need one another. We long for your love, your peace, and your truth to fill the Comox Valley and the everyday stuff of life this week. I pray your blessing on each person now. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. I know some of you are thinking of Millie today. I just, I don't know that I could be in church if I'd been through what she's been through today, but here she is. Some of you want to give her a hug. 
Why don't you give somebody else a hug or at least a warm smile as you leave today? And again, if you're a newcomer in the last few weeks, last few months, and you've never been to one of our newcomer gatherings, coffee and goodies, it's on us today, uh, 5 p.m. at the Mill Coffee Shop. We'd love to see you there. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thanks again for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged you as you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more.